Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hi, and welcome to this EM360 podcast. I'm Richard Steenan, Chief Research Analyst at IT Harvest. I write books on IT security, work with IT security technology providers on their go-to-market, and I'm a trusted advisor to CISOs and their teams. IT Harvest is an industry analyst firm that covers over 3,400 vendors in the space. Today, I'm joined by Roger Fisher, co-founder and CEO at Hadrian. And we're here to talk about continuous threat exposure management as a way to benchmark CISO success. Welcome, Roger. Thank you, Richard, and thank you for having me. This is going to be great. Uh, Let's start off by just answering the question, what is continuous threat exposure management? And maybe, you know, address uh, the fact that Gartner has predicted that organizations implementing it will have three times fewer incidents. Richard, I think you're asking the very good question to start with. I think that right now, at least, there's still a lot of discussion what continuous threat exposure management actually entails. But what we can say about it is that it's basically the future of what offensive security testing should be. It's it's combining different aspects of external monitoring and internal monitoring, what is currently defined in different other categories, and combining it to a more holistic platform. And basically, the idea is that adding all these different categories uh, into a bigger one actually uh, enables uh, the individual aspects of these platforms to perform better as well. So, well, great example, like EASM and vulnerability management are both part of, of exposure management or CTAM. And... Vulnerability management on its own can generate a lot of value to companies. But if you are not able to understand your scope and really understand where you should be testing for those vulnerabilities, you might be missing out on on key insights. So EASM is a discovery category, or it's it's about understanding really what is uh, your internet-facing risk. And uh, combining those insights together actually makes the vulnerability scanner more productive because now you can actually receive insights on everything you know you should be receiving insights on. So CTEM is actually combining a lot of these categories. I think that uh, the most prevalent there is, is threat intelligence, vulnerability management, EASM, attack service management, um, and exposure management into a single platform that will basically help these companies understand their external risks much, much better. Okay, that's starting to make sense because there are all these individual elements, uh, some of which, you know, vulnerability scanning and and keeping track of the vulnerabilities and trying to manage them in some way has been around for 25 years in my experience. Um, And obviously, you know, there's been a lot of things that went before Help us understand Hadrian's approach to how to pull all this together. So Hadrian is is starting from this view of uh, of the external hacker, right? Um, the team is uh, that started Hadrian have all been hackers themselves, and in, to a certain extent, we are automated the work that we've been doing manually for hundreds, if not thousands, of customers for for many years. So our approach is really taking that external perspective. It starts with EASM, right? And and this part is about understanding what do you have pointing to the internet? A lot of things involved here are asset discovery, but we also use 
different methodologies to, for example, assess what type of accounts do your executives have exposed to the internet? Are there any GitHub or GitLab accounts that your developers have on the internet that might be sharing details that you should not be sharing? So the first aspect is that we take a very holistic approach, a very wide scope of what we start working on. Then from that data set, we start answering questions around what this actually is. So we now know where you have stuff point to the internet, but I want to know what it is and how it is interacting with each other. What data is especially relevant? What context actually defines what matters to your organization? Being able to compromise a, a relatively new and relevant asset in, in your architecture is much more important than a VPN server that is not being used anymore and is somehow still running somewhere, but not really a threat to the rest of your organization. Being able to answer the questions, what really matters is, is key and critical in understanding how we can help our customers. We then move on to what we consider to be actually vital and, and that, that's the actual risk simulations. Risk simulations in our case, to a certain extent, is vulnerability scanning, but for a much more important aspect, it's, it's vulnerability validation and in general, security validation. It's about actually knowing for sure what is happening. So no false positives and no alert fatigue. It's about being able to know and validate the data with almost 100% certainty. The, the final aspect of our C10 platform, it, it's, it's about privatization. CISOs by design have a limited amount of resource and they need to know where to allocate those resources to. CTEM is not necessarily a tool that will help you actually remediate problems, but it's, it's about understanding where you might have risks. But risks and understanding always goes with prioritization. Luckily, being able to automate and, and implement all these individual aspects of CTEM, you have a much stronger business case to actually be able to provide you with that, autom uh, with that automated prioritization. Being able to understand that a vulnerability is not just on one of your key assets, but it's also continuously actively being exploited by certain groups because you have threat intelligence integrated into this will help you assess much faster whether it's an issue that the CISO needs to look at today, tomorrow, or it can wait a couple months even. Yeah, this is great. A lot of this is ringing true um, because quite often, you know, with a traditional vulnerability scan, just based on the applications or the server or the OS version, it'll report that you're vulnerable, yet you may not have turned on whatever function inside that that is vulnerable, or you may have already uh, done something to remediate the vulnerability. So super important to do those checks that you're talking about. And do you do that by tempting a connection over an open port or something? So. Our methodology for assessing these risks is, is incorporated into our modular platform. So we have many different mo modules that do different, well, they, they basically have different ways to verify if certain risks exist, right? And, and it's not just vulnerabilities that are relevant here, because right now you actually see that most data breaches actually don't really happen via vulnerabilities anymore. They just happen via misconfigurations or lost credentials somewhere. So it's, it's a really taking a wider approach to what we consider to be, well, risk instead of simply a vulnerable or, or well, basically what we consider to be an exposure of your environment um, and, and validating that those things are actually true. In case of an open port, uh, we, we will 
definitely actually have a browser autonomously browse that environment if it's over HTTP. And uh, we'll take a screenshot and try and understand what are we looking at. If it's OT, then it will probably be alerted as OT and it might be that the customer is, is keen to not have OT exposed to the internet. But it could also be uh, a, a admin panel to a database environment. And at that point already, it's also an insight even though it's not necessarily vulnerable. Okay, now I get it. Thanks. Uh, so how can Hadrian's platform benchmark an organization's security posture, and then how does the CISO use that? So that is actually a very interesting aspect of, of external CTAM, right? Because basically I'm in a strong opinion that CISO should not be marking its own homework, um, or at least security teams shouldn't be marking their own homework. And, and that is what you currently see happening in the space very often is that on the defensive side, you have the same vendor as, as on the offensive side. And CTEM is trying to basically move away from that, where you have different companies assessing your security defenses uh, and, and not necessarily the same company. CISOs can, at, at, at Hadrian, CISOs can directly differentiate themselves also to their board by saying, hey, I'm overperforming compared to the industry benchmarks. If we have a problem, it's resolved within X amount of days, whereas in the industry, the average is many more. Using that data is actually incredibly valuable for the CISO also because they can measure their own security vendors, but they can also measure their own performance against the industry. And if they're underperforming, they can use that to justify more resources. Exactly, right? And you see this very often in, in, if we come into a company brand new, a CISO is there brand new, we are often also used to, to buy, basically get this baseline of, of security metrics uh, that, that the CISO uses also to compare itself uh, to in later stages. Got it. And so a lot of organizations I talk to are just overwhelmed with the traditional vulnerability management, uh, I don't know if they're alerts as much as very, very long PDF reports of things that are wrong. Um, how does Hadrian help automate that and then validate and triage those alerts? So we start off by just not sending that many alerts because the vast majority of the alerts that you currently see in those reports are actually either not really interesting or not really relevant. Uh, so in the sense that they are really not important enough to even be considered a vulnerable environment or they are in environments that you don't consider to be important enough to be part of that PDF report. So the way Hadrian works, we, we do generate monthly reports, but more importantly, we have a continuous dashboard that is updating multiple times every day, perhaps even every hour, uh, where CISOs can track what's going on and what the key issues are that they're currently looking at. If you are looking at the actual alerts and the triage that happens in our back office, almost 90% of our triage is completely validated automatically. So we've written tests for some of these issues that are actually just by a computer uh, validated. However, there are some of our, our risk finding and modules that are prone to false positive rates, but are incredibly uh, destructive if it's true. So examples of these would be exposed S3 buckets or exposed uh, admin credentials. These types of issues 
have an incredibly high false positive rate. But if it happens to be true, it can be very detrimental to the organization. And for these 10% of issues, we actually have our own manual triage team that is verifying these issues 24-7 for our customers. One of the things that always concerns me is that after a a major devastating breach, I'm thinking about Target in this case, there will be reports that leak out. I don't think they're publicly acknowledged that, oh, yeah, we actually had an alert from some security system that we had. How do you make sure that the CISO or their teams actually are addressing those critical ones so that that doesn't happen? You don't want to know that you're completely vulnerable to something and then suffer a breach because of that vulnerability. So I think that this boils down back to that prioritization question, because obviously CISOs and the security teams want to prevent a breach from happening, but it's it's sometimes simply not possible because of the amount of things they have to look at. So at that point, it's it's again, it's about prioritizing the right resources to the right issues. And, and that's about understanding what risks the company actually faces. So th- th- that is my first part to the question. The second aspect to it is, is that having that industry benchmarking, it's almost gamifying for the CISO and the security teams to resolve these critical issues quickly because they know that in the report, it will show whether they were on par faster or slower than the average uh, in the industry. Got it. Now, one one of the benefits, I think, of continuous is it means that uh, you're not just at a certain state that you can benchmark at the end of the month. Um, Throughout the month, if somebody spins up an S3 bucket with valuable information in it and... Uh, no controls on it, or somebody reveals API uh, keys in a GitHub posting, um, you'll catch it quickly, right? Exactly, right? And and I think that that is the main value proposition of doing these types of scanning and monitoring continuously. Uh, you, you see that environments change, and, and they change internally and externally, Right. There's new things that happen within the company, but there's also new exploits that come out. Um, and, and you see that the time from CVE publication to mass scanning the internet with a POC by malicious actors, it's we're talking not days anymore. We're talking not hours anymore. We're talking about minutes. And, and you saw it last week when there was a very uh, critical vulnerability in, 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 in WordPress and it was in, in a plugin called the Advanced Fields. In reality, the vulnerability itself was not, not, not that bad, but it would allow people to redirect your whole website to some, some phishing or, or spam or malware domain. You would see the first victims fall victim to this exploit literally the same day the CVE was published. And, and at that point, having continuous monitoring is vital. And we were able to alert our customers of this bug the same day the CVE was published. And you saw them fix the majority. You saw them fix and remediate the issue the same day as well. Yeah, that, that at least gets closer to resolving the issue with zero days. You know, if the, if the goal is to have no vulnerabilities and some organizations strive towards that. Of course, it's a never-ending task. But even if they achieve that, they're still completely vulnerable to every zero day that nobody knows about. So the the best you can do is know about it and get alerted about it uh, as fast as possible. Absolutely. And 
I, I very often hear that people there are a bit scared, a bit worried about zero days. I mean, the good news is that almost never a company is actually targeted by a zero day, right? These these types of, of exploits are generally reserved for state-level actors and not for your, uh, I'm, I'm deploying some ransomware somewhere. However, what you do see is once a zero day becomes public knowledge and it's not really a zero day anymore, it's become incredibly uh, difficult to keep up uh, for the companies to, to update their systems at that point. Because that the, the time to market basically from publication of a new CVE or zero day to exploitation has gone dramatically down in the last couple of years. I'll say. So let's talk about compliance um, because everything we're talking about is being incorporated in many compliance regimes. Um, how can Hadrian help organizations keep up with all of these compliance requirements and demonstrate compliance, I guess? So it's, it's, it's a good question because so from, from a management perspective, from a business perspective, compliance is a huge opportunity. But I don't necessarily like to talk about security from a compliance perspective because I think it's the result of your actions that will make you compliant and not necessarily compliance on its own that you set as a goal. For me, compliance is basically it's, it's regulation that pushes companies to actually um, build a strong security posture. It's, it's about hitting those tick boxes, but those tick, tick boxes are not necessarily holistic and, and they might also not always be future-proof. So yes, Hadrian will help you tick those tick boxes because that is what we do and that's what you need to be able to do to report to your compliance department. But more importantly, we focus on actually helping you be safer. That said, can't a CISO dip into the compliance budgets to go further and use a Hadrian tool to um, increase their security posture. Oh, definitely. And and I think that that is also, uh, I mean, I, in an ideal scenario, compliance and security budgets would, would be coming out of the same budget. Um, but definitely we see now with new compliance regulations coming out on NIS uh, and also on the uh, SOC 2 and ISO standards, you see requirements coming in for continuous monitoring of your external attack service, for continuously understanding uh, what you have exposed to the internet. And, and a tool like Hadrian is, is exactly built to solve that problem. And, and therefore, we, we expect a large, of our, large percentage of our users to actually receive, or CISOs receive a part of the budget from, from the compliance uh, budget in, in these large enterprises. There's another form of compliance, and that is very large companies require their suppliers to follow some sort of norms and security practices. Quite often, they use a you know an ISO certification as as a proxy for that. But have you seen any Hadrian customers requiring their suppliers to use Hadrian and then you know report on their benchmarking data that they get? So, so that that would be amazing, right? It's it's a network effect in uh, that would would push our product to the market. So, what you often see is that from a legal perspective, that is still very difficult right now. And the only thing that as a as a supplier or vendor in this space, what we could do 
to help those uh, customers is is the passive risk rating services. It's 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 the security scorecards and bit sides of this world, and we are actually trying as as best as possible to move away from that standard because we feel like if we are the ones that are compromising you, um, it's definitely better than a malicious actor that is compromising you. So being afraid of a tool like Hadrian that it might break something, that that is a an unjustified worry that, that we are trying to move away from. But right now we've not seen customers uh, giving us permission to test their vendors as well, because they would need to receive permission from their vendors, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, I predict it'll start to happen. Um, and one last question is, how do I differentiate between what you're describing and the breach and attack simulation vendors? So most importantly, our focus is really on the external uh, side of your attack surface. And breach and attack simulation um, is, is a different category that yes, they are also partly involved in, in basically uh, access, uh, f- first access uh, testing, but the majority of their simulation and testing is built around, okay, once someone gains access, where can I go? What can I do? Um, and and that, is, uh, that is something we simply don't do. And I think in that case, we are very often used complementary to these types of tooling because we can actually show you real-time where uh, access might be gained and the breach and attack simulation software can then take over from us and actually simulate, okay, where can someone go from there and how bad is that? And again, that then feeds back into this loop of prioritization that helps CISOs understand and where, where they should allocate resources. Got it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Roger. I really appreciate you coming on and educating me on uh, this space. And also, thank you to everyone listening. We hope you took a lot away from today's podcast. For further information on what we've talked about, please head on over to hadrian.io. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to EM360Tech.com. Thank you.